Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Colorado Avalanche with three goals in a minute, 23 seconds to take the lead. Over the Phoenix Coyotes, man, the Coyotes had been hanging in there despite being badly outshot, but now the Avalanche just a couple of minutes away from winning game one of that series. Kadri, Comfort, and Rantanen with the goals at 13.05, 13.15, and 14.28 of the third. Uh, All of them, I'm just double-checking this because I I flipped over to the start of the uh, Montreal-Philly game here. All of them shorthanded. So there you go. And the shots in this game, not close. Uh, Darcy Kemper doing everything he could to keep the Coyotes in it. But it is uh, 3-0 for the Avalanche late. 38-13, the Avs with the edge and shots on goal. Earlier, the Hurricanes and the Bruins went to overtime. The Bruins win it in the second overtime period by the score of 4-3. Rod Brindamore, the head coach of the Hurricanes, fined after this game saying it was a joke and a crime scene, how the officials on the ice handled the video review challenge that he made. So the Bruins go up one nothing. The Islanders get a 4-2 win over the Capitals. The Canucks and the Blues are later, and like I mentioned, the Canadians and the Flyers just getting underway. Of course, yesterday, NHL history, the fourth longest game ever played. Rebound Sargatev, right circle, Kucherov shoots, block, point high slot. Shoot, score! 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 Braden Point! Braden Point! Braden Point! The Lightning win it! They win it in the fifth overtime! Three to two! And they lead the series 1-0. All right, now, that was the fourth longest game in NHL history. But... It didn't make it to the third longest game by about a minute and a half. That game, May 4th, 2000. Here's how it ended. And Rob Brown gave him his stick. And Pittsburgh will catch a break. They're able to get out of his own. Richardson backhands it up. The Penguins will change it. They're able to come out relatively easy. It's Keith Primo with the first. Primo cuts the attack. Scores! There it is! Keith Primo! The much maligned. Center of the Philadelphia Flyers wins this game in the fifth overtime. All right. Yeah, I remember watching that one as we bring Rob Brown onto the show. And Rob, th- thanks for texting me because I I came here in the basement and put the TV on and I just left it on the pregame show for the uh Canadians game. And I saw I saw the Avalanche had gone up 2-0. So I was like, okay, they're probably gonna win now. And then I was like, what? so those goals were not shorthanded. For some reason, the NHL website says they were. No, no. The first goal was a power play goal that Colorado scored. Then they scored 10 seconds later, 5-on-5. Five five, and then they scored an absolute beautiful goal by Rantanen on a 3-on-2, also 5-on-5. Five five. So, uh, yes, three goals in a minute and a little bit. But, I mean, it would have been an absolute crying shame 
if Colorado didn't win that game because I, my son and I watched the Raptors game, then we turned it over to the Arizona-Colorado game. We never did see Arizona get a shot on net. Right. In the 10, 12 minutes that we watched, Arizona never had a shot. Colorado was dominating. They finally got the goals. Colorado was good. They got a great team. I believe in them, and Vegas are the two best in the West. And so far in this first round of the playoffs, both those teams have got off to good starts. All right. So I, I will uh, I, I apologize to everybody. I got all excited. I was like, how is that even possible to get three shorthand? Well, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> it's unlikely. But, yeah, it is showing up that way on the NHL website. And, uh, and like I said, I got the channel on the, uh, the TV on the channel for the Canadians and the Flyers. Anyway, like you said, the Avalanche won and they dominated the game. Were you able to hear that clip there from ESPN from May 4th, 2000? <laughs> I, I did, uh, and I was able to, and I, and I remember that goal. It, I, would just, I just changed, so I just got on the bench. And well, he remember... said something about you giving someone a stick. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I saw a highlight of it, oh, I don't know, in the last few months. They, they were talking about it somewhere, and I saw a highlight, and I can't remember doing it, but I do remember seeing me give my – I don't know if someone broke the stick in a fence. I felt, probably figured he'd do better with it than I did, but uh, I do remember the goal, and it – a lot of times they're they're ugly goals that win games in long overtimes. The Pat Lafontaine one in that really Long Islander Capital game, but this one, this Primo goal, it was nice. He turned Darius Kasparaitis inside out, and then beat Tugnut. And Tugnut was incredible in that game. Uh, it was a it was a sad way that uh, to, to us that was the end of the series. If we win that, we go up three one in the series. Instead, we lose, and all of a sudden, uh, our star players were exhausted. I think Garamir played like sixty minutes in that game. And they had, we had no juice left after that. Yeah, that tied the series at two, and then and then they won it in six. And uh, I mean, I give the date as May fourth, two thousand, but it would have taken over a couple of days to play that game. Ninety two oh one, just of overtime. Yesterday was ninety twenty seven. What did you guys do to hydrate and eat, if anything, in between periods? Because you must have been getting hungry at some point. Oh, we were uh, most. Teams will have their pregame meal around noon. So we ate at noon, and I can't remember what the game ended at, but it was after midnight, midnight or 1 in the morning. So it had been, you know, 12, 13 hours since anyone had eaten. Uh, I, I can't remember what overtime they started bringing pizzas in. And, it, and pizza's not a great thing to have between periods, but we were so hungry. I, I remember, and I'm pretty sure it was Matthew Barnaby eating hot dogs. They went to the, because we we're getting the food from concession stands. So they're bringing stuff down from the concession, and we're just, chowing away on it trying to, to eat as much as for hydrating that was back I, i'm old so we didn't have all the the protein stuff that they have nowadays with the blenders and everything so i'm sure it was just a lot of very sugary gatorade that we were shoving into ourselves uh some players played a lot more than i did and, and the exhaustion was shown i but i the thing i remember about it is when you'd line up for a shift when it got to be third fourth and fifth overtime You'd line up against the guy that you've been going to war against for, well, this is the fourth game of the series, and you played them all year long, and you just look at each other and you start giggling because you knew you were in something special. It wasn't, at that point, it was more than just a, a game. A playoff game was more like an event, something that you're going to think about years later and talk about years later because of how silly it had gotten. So uh, I, I don't remember all aspects of the game, but I do remember that when I was playing it, I knew that I was in something special. Well, and like I said, it remains the 
the third longest game ever. And the only two games longer, Rob, were played in 1936 and 1933. So I mean, <laughs> certainly the, the modern era of the National Hockey League, you you did indeed play in the longest game. When, when Primo finally scored, I mean, by, by that time, it's been so long since there was a goal. It, like, was it almost stunning that it i mean i obviously you know it was going to end at some point but, but it was almost like oh my god that, like that was it now it's done yeah it, it was surreal uh and and i know that what watched i watched the game last night that went five overtimes it's funny i got home i was out i got home just as the first overtime started and i started watching the game so i ended up watching five full periods and i know that the the commentators commentated about it a little bit and, and it's really true in a long long overtime game the fatigue level the following day hits the team that lost much more than it hits the team that won. The team that won, they, they still have the energy because they got the win. It was huge. The excitement about it. But the team that loses in a long game like that, the fatigue seems to set in and last for a couple of days. Because not only do you have the fatigue of the game, you got the disappointment of the game. And combined, to me, that's why, I mean, we were never the same team after that game. We win that game. We're up 3-1. Everything's feeling good, and, and the, the, the Flyers are down 3-1, and they just lost this game, and, and the disappointment would have crushed them. But it just flip-flopped with, with one shot, and the series flip-flopped with one shot. Rob Brown joining us tonight on Inside Sports, our Inside the Game analyst for our Oilers broadcast all season long. Well, we've had a few days to digest the Oilers' loss. A lot of discussion about it on this show, on all sports radio shows throughout the city. Fans talking about it. Ken Holland gave his uh, year-end availability on Monday. Uh, you know, touched on a few things. He, he obviously can't say too many definite things about trades and contracts and drafting and all that type of stuff. There's still a lot of hockey to be played. But um, And even in the aftermath of, of some of the things Dave Tippett said after the game, he was asked about changing the lines and, and some of the other things, Rob. Now that it's sunk in for you a little bit, is there anything... I'll put it to you this way, because one common theme to me that I've heard from listeners, family, friends, you know, people I know that watch the Oilers, one common thread is it's not just that they lost, it's how they lost with the feeling that there was more to give or more adjustments to be made. So I'll just kind of leave it to you, anything that stands out here. Well, I agree. Uh, it's uh, And I throw it a little bit further and in, in who they lost to. I mean, this is the team that, had more or less given up at the trade deadline. This is a team that wasn't expecting to make the playoffs. They traded their number one goalie, who is now playing for Vegas in the playoffs. Uh, so it, it's a team that they should have beat. Uh, things that I noticed about it, I, they, the Oilers didn't play with a desperation until there were 20 minutes to go in a hockey game. And it's play, playoff hockey. They didn't play as though it was playoff hockey. Uh, it's one of those things well yeah you, you, and I think Dave Tippett touched on it yeah you think you're working hard you think you're doing all the little things and then you watch it and replay and you're like well yeah you, you thought you worked hard but you didn't work playoff hard and it is another level I the adjustments I'm, people have talked about goaltending I I think he did right on the goaltending um, but he didn't get a save from either one I think goaltending was a question mark coming into the season I think it got them through the regular season, but in crunch time, goaltending didn't get them the save they needed. That's something they're going to have to upgrade. Uh, in the back end, a few of their big-name players, the big D-men that they expected huge things out of, Clefbaum, Larson, were, were not 
good in the playoffs, not as good as they needed to be. Where if you watch uh, Duncan, he, he stepped up. And, I mean, he's a proven winner, but he stepped up in the playoffs. The Oilers' top pairing defense until Larson got hurt, they didn't step up. They took step backwards, and you can't have that in the playoffs. And, and the, the last thing is something that we talked about in the regular season, and we certainly talked about you and I before the, the, the playoffs started, was line combinations. And I will fight anyone that wants to argue. Nugent Hopkins should be playing with Leon Dreisaitl. That To me, that is a, a no-brainer because of the success they had and just the way this Oilers team is set up. The Oilers are one top six winger away right now from being a good hockey club. They, they, they've got three players. And I know that Yamamoto is going to get better and, and maybe there's someone coming up that's going to fill a spot. But they've got three players. And whichever two play together, that line is really good. And the other line who's by himself isn't as good. The difference is Connor McDavid playing by himself is capable of doing that because he doesn't need players around him because his world-class skill, he's the best player in the world. He can make things out of nothing. That's why I would have had Leo playing with RNH. Leon's playing with RNH because they, Leon makes other players around him better. And they would have had success with that line. They would have had success simply because Connor McDavid, you have to respect him. If you don't put your best defenseman against you, he's going to be you. So now you have two lines. And that was the problem for the Oilers. I don't know how many times Double A had a chance to make a difference in the, the game that he played at the end with Leon, but he didn't capitalize. Uh, Yamamoto had a number of good opportunities. He didn't capitalize. When you play with Leon Dreisaitl, you have to capitalize. So that, to me, was the biggest thing that I saw in the playoffs that I would have changed. I would have had RNH playing with Leon. Having said all of that, you know, they're still average, what, over four goals a game during the playoffs? Defensively, this team was not good enough to be a playoff hockey team. Yeah, I think ultimately it was it was, and at times they they looked good defensively in the regular season, at times they didn't. Uh, I mean, I think that's why they were 12th overall and not third or fourth. But yeah, certainly the the checking and and guys left open and you've talked about it a lot, Rob, you got to get into those habits of stopping on the puck, you know, not not a flyby. Don't check a guy with one hand. Defend your spot, get to that spot and and claim it. Don't go through that spot. And, it, you know, it's not just all on McDavid and Dreisaitl. I thought it was, was team defense was not anywhere near what it need to, needed to be and not as good as they showed how they could play at times during the regular season. No, you're absolutely right. And to me, the one thing you saw when the Oilers beat San Jose and Anna, I mean, it's a couple of years ago and there's been changes in the lineup. But the one thing that we saw that was the willingness for everybody to, to battle, the willingness for everyone to be physical. Uh, going to dirty areas, doing all the, the, the dirty, ugly jobs that aren't a lot of fun, but come playoff times when you hockey games, you didn't see that in this series. And one player that has been talked about a lot, and, and deservedly so, is Zach Cassian. Now, I know he didn't get as much ice time, and I know that the coaching staff wasn't happy with him after game one, and it, his ice time dwindled. But in the opportunities that he had, can you remember a hit that Zach Cassian threw in the playoffs? No. We, I, I can certainly remember some huge ones from the playoffs a couple of years ago, ones that changed the complexion of the hockey games. And someone said the other day to me, well, you know what? He was upset that he wasn't playing as much. He wasn't playing on the top line. You don't get that excuse. If you're playing two minutes a game or 28 minutes a game, you have to play at the same level. If you, if the coach isn't happy with you, prove him wrong. Go and do something. He didn't do that. And if he's your catalyst and your leader in the physical department and he's not doing it, it's, it's easier for people to opt out otherwise. So this team, it, 
the battle, I don't believe, was as near as high as it needed to be. And Darnell Nurse, although he may have said it uh, and regretted saying it afterwards, but he talked about the fact that their intensity was never as high as it was in the exhibition game. And I agree. I absolutely agree with him. And that's a problem because the exhibition game meant nothing. And the game against the Chicago Blackhawks are not a physical team. And they've got their deficiencies are on the back end. And the others never exploited that because the others were never physical against them. Yeah. You know what, Raw? I was thinking about over the last couple of days, and now you kind of look back on key parts in the series. And I realize the Oilers cranked it up in the third period when the season was on the line. Fair enough. But I, I thought the best they played in the season, in, or in, in the series, in terms of showing commitment and sacrifice and desperation, was halfway through the second period of Game 2 when they had to kill three penalties in six and a half minutes. And you almost could sense it that they were like, okay, Chicago referees, everybody, pardon my language here, screw you guys. We're going to kill this off. We're going to block every shot. We're going to tip every pass. We're going to be a nuisance on every zone entry, and and we're getting through this, which was great. It was a big part of, of winning that game, but you ne- you needed that screw you mentality from the opening faceoff of the series. You're right. The Oilers threw away the first game because they didn't they didn't show up. That was nowhere near good enough. Not even close to being good enough. And in that game. They gave the Chicago Blackhawks life. If the Oilers come out and win the first game 6-2, the Blackhawks all of a sudden like, oh, okay, I know we, we, we weren't even supposed to be here. And then we're like, this team's too good. And, and, but as soon as they had belief, now you got Taves and Kane and, and uh, Crawford and, and Keith in the dressing room. Guys, you got to believe we can win this series. It's not just one game. We can win the series. So the, Black, so the Oilers came out, and I agree, that, that second period where, where they did whatever it took. And that was the mentality they had, whatever it takes. Do I got to block a shot? Yep. Do I have to block three in a row? Absolutely. I'm going to do all the little things. And it showed in the game. The Blackhawks weren't in that game. The Oilers dominated that. But in a series, you can't do it for one period or two periods or one game. You got to do it every single night. And they didn't. And then they came into game three. And it was game three was an e- a fairly even game that could have gone either way. But when you're the favorite and you're the team that's supposed to win, well, you know what? You don't play even against a team that's 12th in the conference. So the Oilers never, ever uh, played to the level that we've seen them play. They never had the, the battle level that they need. They never had the intensity level that they need. And because of that, the Chicago Blackhawks, who had all of those things, Oilers are still more talented. Blackhawks just wanted it more. Well, a lot to uh, to look over here into the. I was going to say into the summer, but I guess the off season will actually be in the <laughs> fall when there's the draft and free agency. Rob, hope things are, are great with you and your family. Of course, uh, like we always do, we'll we'll have you on a couple times a month here during the playoffs because I know you enjoy watching and, and picking out some storylines that you're following. Great to have you check in, buddy. Sounds good, Reed. Take care. That is Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst for Oilers broadcast here on 630. Chad talking about playing in the third longest game in NHL history, which he did on May 4th, 2000, and some reflections on the Oilers' loss to the Blackhawks. I'm happy to hear from you. The number to call and text is the same, 780-496-0063. Inside Sports on Chad. Provorov has the first goal of the series in the Flyers Canadian showdown. Halfway through the first period, Philly up one nothing. Shots six one in favor of Philadelphia. So the Canadians will see if they can get it going there. We will have Gord Stelic coming up 
as the Toronto Maple Leafs put a cap on their season today. The GM Kyle Dubas defending Mitch Marner will also go to Pittsburgh where the Penguins, that shocking loss to Montreal, they've gotten rid of some assistant coaches, maybe more changes on the way. Phil Bork will chime in. 780-496-0063 is uh, how you can reach me. Terry says, come playoff time, you have to change. Everybody has to become two-way players. It starts with McDavid selling it to his teammates. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Defense wins hockey games, and McDavid did not show up playing defense. That is a text from Terry. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Here's what's going on. Six minutes left in the first period. Flyers up one nothing on the Canadians. Just two shots on goal for Montreal. 8.30 at Rogers Place. Game one for the Canucks and the Blues. This morning, well, it went into the afternoon, but the Bruins beat the Hurricanes 4-3 in double overtime. Game one of that series that was supposed to be played last night. They pushed it back because of the epic between the Lightning and the Blue Jackets. The Islanders win 4-2. Over the Capitals to take game one of that series. Jordan Eberle gets his third of the playoffs. And the Avalanche uh, dominating today 3-0 over the Coyotes. They didn't score until the third period, but badly outshooting the Coyotes to go up 1-0 in that best of seven. Well, as we uh, take you through the opening round of the playoffs, we'll be hopping around to a few different cities whose teams were eliminated from the postseason. We've had a lot of talk on the Oilers on this station the last few days, of course. We do want to check in with some other markets of interest. It is always interesting in Toronto, Canadian city, hockey mad city. And uh, GM Kyle Dubas spoke today and he responded specifically to criticism of Mitch Marner. I, I don't get the, the criticism of Mitch Marner one bit. Um, I really struggle with it. It's a, he's a guy that plays his ass off every night is got tremendous skill, tremendous intensity, plays every situation for us, um, makes a ton of plays and everything that he does wrong, people jump all over him about. I don't know how uh, or why it's that way, but if Mitch Marner is the player that he has been and he continues to grow and mature and do what every player that goes from 22 to 23 to 24 to 25 does and just get better and better, we'd be thrilled. But Mitch Marner is a high-end player in the NHL, so um, we don't want him to be anything other than that. If that's what he is, then that's what we love, and we'll continue to love him for that. So I, I don't know where this all started with the criticizing of Mitch Marner, um, but to me it's among the most idiotic things that I see done here. Among the most idiotic things that I see done here. All right, that is Kyle Dubas from the Toronto Maple Leafs. So let's go to Toronto. Gord Stelic checking in on Inside Sports tonight. Of course, a former GM of the Maple Leafs, uh, host on Sports at 590, talks a lot about Maple Leafs hockey. Gord, you're on with Reed. Good to catch up with you, buddy. Hey, good to catch up with you, Reed. And, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, 
I've been on both sides, and uh, you can people get a little sensitive and paranoid. And uh, you had John Tortorella sticking up for Sheldon Keefe, and I really didn't hear much criticism of Sheldon Keefe. So I don't know what John Tortorella was watching or listening to. And you know, same with Kyle Dubas. I, I don't get it at all. But you know, like you know, the big thing you never do is repeat a charge, right? And people like people are not trashy Mitch Marner. I'm I'm really baffled by his perception of that. Mitch Marner had a very ordinary playoff, and it's fair to say that, but. Uh, I, I'm sort of baffled like there's this kind of incredible criticism on Mitch Marner. There might be the criticism of the contract he gave them, but, you know, you move on from that. Well, I, I'm glad you, you, you brought that up because you're there. And, I mean, of course you see this and that uh, online or watching games or whatever, but I, I, I kind of – it's like that's a to me that's Dubas coming in pretty pretty hot and I was kind of thought well who's really trashing I mean you lose a series and you get shut out shut out sure the the offensive players are going to be criticized because you needed a goal or two but yeah I was that's what I wanted to ask you if it was if it was really that bad if it's really that hot against Mitch Marner in that market doesn't sound like it is no no like he's one of the favorite guys and I, I, I so uh, I, I think Kyle wanted to come out strong backing his player, and, and that's fine because, you know, you're married to the big four for now. I, I, I take it if they can make a trade for William Nylander, they would look at it. Not not to get rid of him. I just mean he's the he's the one piece that could be used in a trade to get something valuable back. But, you're, you know, you're, you're going to live and die with Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, which are three, you know, not bad guys to live and die with. You can debate the contracts whatever but as far as players on the ice they're your core guys along with morgan riley so when, when you look at the columbus series each team had an epic comeback i mean toronto's one of the all-timers that's similar to what anaheim did to the Oilers in 2017 and what boston did to toronto about 10 years ago too so i mean they did have an incredible victory uh they were shut out a couple of times i'm, I'm sure you've been analyzing it to death on your airwaves but tell us here on 6 30 chet in in your mind the the one or two things that put columbus over the top there well you know first read a completely unacceptable season ending with a completely unacceptable playoff and uh you know obviously the goaltending was phenomenal but that's something you have to factor in in the playoffs how well corpus Allo played uh i the, the comeback by the Leafs was unbelievable in that game. And now I got to tell you, if they had lost that game and gone out that way, I, I think today would have been a lot different. I, I think they saved any kind of potential talk of more major surgery by that. But when it comes to the playoffs, you can have your analytics and everything, and, and that's all fine. And I respect that, whatever style you play. But it's understood that a Boone Jenner all of a sudden becomes more valuable, Reed, because during the season, if he clocks me one night and I play for Dallas – well, that's fine, but next day, you know, I'm going to play against Nashville. So, really, he kind of softened me, but I don't play him again for three months. Playoffs, as we know, every night uh, you're playing or every second night. So, it's taking a toll on the opposition. And that's the style of play the Leafs do not play in the playoffs. They've got the regular season figured out, but in the playoffs, it's still the same to a degree as it was 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago about that element that comes into play that uh, the that Columbus did far, far better than the Maple Leafs. And checked them, you know, didn't get many scoring chances, and the Leafs became a one-trick pony, really, with uh, the, uh, the three guys being put together with that one line. Uh, I think some parallels to what we've been talking about here. Did the Oilers really, really check well enough when it when it came right down to it against Chicago? So that, that's interesting you, you bring that up. Okay, you mentioned Nylander. So if they can work something out there, what, what would they be looking to bring back? 
Well, first of all, William Nealand had a really good season before the pause. Like he did. He really had a good season. He did, had a pretty ordinary playoff. To answer your question, at the time when he was not, you know, uh, had not signed and they were talking trade, you know, you heard something like a Jared Spurgeon with Minnesota, for example. Minnesota was interested in some kind of deal that way. I mean, these are what you heard. I, I, so right. uh, I'm, you know, you, you've been through the Adam Larson, Taylor Hall, and at the end of the day, was it too much to pay or, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, you know, sometimes uh, to, you're not going to find a Seth Jones anymore. There's no Ryan Johansson trade that way. So uh, whether it's developing from within or getting a, a frontline defenseman to get in exchange for a frontline player like Nylander. Nylander's contract actually right now isn't all that bad. I guess, I guess read though, no contract's good since COVID, right? Because that all changed. Right. But up until March 11th, it was pretty good. But that would be the kind of thing. So I really don't know who's out there. I think a lot of it, you look at the seven other teams that were disappointed what happened along with Toronto and Edmonton and uh, then the teams that aren't in the playoffs. And that's maybe where you try to look to get something done. But again, much like in Edmonton and much like in Toronto, it's, it's not going to come from one or two trades or one or two free agents, whatever. It's going to have to be, you know, what do, do they help make the sum bigger than the parts? And the St. Louis Blues are a great example because you remember, Reed, a couple of years ago, Doug Armstrong talked about his team being independent contractors. And really a lot of those same players, you know, became a team and played that style and, and kind of got that style and what you had to do in the playoffs. And right now the Oilers aren't there and right now the Leafs aren't there. Well, I like how you, you mentioned that and how the Blues turned it around. And I mean, again, to go back to the Toronto series and, like I look at Columbus, obviously they have some good players. I mean, Atkinson and Dubois and, and Jones are incredible, but they also have a lot of guys you might think, okay, if you watched him individually, you'd think he's he's pretty good. But they just, they to me, they just take it away from you in the defensive zone. They're so desperate, you know, when they're they're defending and then they just furiously go the other way. That's, that's what struck me. But I don't know if that's Tortorella or just the players they have, but you're right, some teams just... They get into that playoff mode, and all of a sudden, it's just, it's, uh, it's so urgent and so desperate when they're playing every shift. Well, and that's why a few years ago, I, like I, the Leafs have been unable to close the deal in the playoffs. And same like the Oilers, the fat, past few years, but a couple of years ago, when the Oilers, you know, won in the playoffs, I, I thought maybe they turned the corner, but, but they didn't. So they have to get there. And I think last year, Reed, when Columbus did that against Tampa Bay, that all of a sudden you learn as a team. You know, what an unbelievable comeback, too, in that first game. They were down 3 nothing, and then they won the series four straight. But, you know, as a team, they learned uh, what it took to win a playoff series. And they, they lost you – know, it's the equivalent as if the Leafs lost Austin Matthews and Freddie Anderson, them losing, you know, uh, Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, they're not in the playoffs right now. Uh, Matt Duchesne is not in the playoffs right now. You know, it's interesting. They, they lost those kind of guys who are not in the playoffs, and they're in the playoffs despite – losing all those guys because they got it about the, the sum being bigger than the individual parts and that and and closing the deal last year as a team made them grow exponentially Gord Stelic joining us tonight inside sports you, you mentioned uh you mentioned Freddie Anderson I, I believe he has uh I think he just has a year left on his contract now w- will the Leafs look to uh extend him might they be looking to move on from Anderson in the near future what do you think is going on there I'm really big on Freddie Anderson, but you know, you got, man, he's just had the terrible, he's had the terrible deciding games. He just really has. So 
you look at the end of this year, he's a $5 million goaltender that probably was looking to be a $7 million goaltender. And with the flat cap and all those things, you know, he, he may end up being priced out that way. You, you may have to look at being with Jack Campbell and somebody else kind of more of a two-goalie tandem. So, you know, I remain big on him, but let's face it, uh, it, it, it works out well with one year left because next year, this can't happen again. This should not have happened this year. It, it really shouldn't have happened last year. Like, you know, Reed, when John Tavares came to Toronto two years ago, do you think two years later he'd be saying, um, we played no playoff series while the Islanders have played a couple, and instead of getting closer to Boston and Tampa Bay in our division, uh, we've, the chasms actually widened? So that's the um, unfortunate, to say baffling part, but that's just the reality. So I think next year a lot of that will dictate about, you know, does Freddie Anderson, if he wants to, sign big picture and big money? Or to at least say, you know what, we we, we got to make some changes and uh, he ain't cutting it in the critical games in the playoffs. One of the biggest stories of the year was when Mike Babcock was let go as coach and Sheldon Keefe came in and you mentioned that you didn't actually hear that much criticism of him. What, if anything, in your mind, was his biggest impact on the team or anything he might have been he might have done to, to transform them either strategically or attitude wise? Well, it's funny because you're I'm talking to you today because last year in April was that um, that end of season press conference with uh, Babcock and, and uh, Kyle Dubas. And Babcock laid a whack of manure at the feet of Kyle Dubas in that press conference. I mean, Dubas came out and started apologizing for the penalty killing, you know, like taking blame for it. And basically, it was Babcock going public with how divisive, how dysfunctional their relationship was. And you know what? That should have been dealt with in the summer because the season started with that dysfunctional element. And look what it showed. It permeated throughout the players. Hey, uh, you traded for Tyson Berry? Guess what? Tyson Berry's not going to play like he did in Colorado. He's going to play the Babcock way, and he's going to suck. Hey, you got Jason Spezza? Guess what? I'm going to embarrass him and not dress him, make him a healthy scratch the first game. So it was the unthinkable that Mike Babcock would be fired in the early early in the season. But Sheldon Keith came in under you – now. He, Sheldon Keith always is going to be the heir apparent, okay? This isn't like – Vegas going out and getting Peter DeBoer as an ex-NHL coach with all kinds of experience. Uh, you know, he's, he's the heir apparent. This is just sooner than you thought. And Reed, he came in under very difficult circumstances. They had dug themselves a deep, deep, deep hole. And to his credit, he was a big part in, in getting them back on the, on the playoff side. He wasn't afraid also to, you know, take issue with some things. I thought just uh, about a month before the pause, he called them um, an immature team, an immature team. Uh, mentally, and I thought that was a good one. Like you know, they are. They're like you know, maybe they're great on the ice and they're 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 older that they look because how great they are. But I think that was a good comment about this team has to mature off the ice, leadership wise, and all those other things, and focus wise um, to match their abilities on the ice. So I'm big on Sheldon Keith. Again, I love John Tortorella backing him, but again, I don't understand. Reed, I understand it if you know media and fans are taking shots at somebody. And you come out and you go, no, nobody's taking shots at Sheldon Keith and nobody's taking shots at Mitch Marner. If you want to go deep on Twitter, they're taking shots at your mother, okay? Everyone's getting shots taken at them, right? If that's, if, <laughs> if, 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 if that's what you're using as your base test, right? So in your experience as, as a manager and as a broadcaster, where does that maturity come from? Does it come through losing because a lot of people in Edmonton are saying to me, well, hopefully the Oilers learn from this. And I'm sure you're probably hearing that in Toronto. Can you get it from losing or did the players just at sort of some guys naturally have it? Do you have to bring in players who have won elsewhere? 
what, but what do you think? Like that's such a hard thing to pin down in my mind. Yeah, you know, a little mix of uh, you know mix of all that. I mean, first of all, McDavid and Drysital, they're they're gold. Austin Matthews is gold. I don't con- I don't consider Tavares a kid. I thought Tavares played really really well, but he's a veteran. And sure. then you know it's it's like all of us in life. When you look at life, at some point, you remember like at some point you kind of got your act together and said, you know what? Maybe I better stop sleeping in until noon every day and actually get up at <laughs> seven a.m. and try to keep a job. And you know it's 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 really not that different. So you you know you need guys in Edmonton and Toronto to sort of get to that next thing saying um, I've believing I've been paying the price but really now I understand uh, uh, there's a different level I got to pay the price and focus and and give and mature if I want to get there and if you're the coach and manager um, and there's somebody that you're identifying that can't do that then that's something you also have to identify and make a change. Well, I tell you what, Gord, I'm getting up at 5.30 in the morning, but it's it's to go golfing, not to come into work. But uh, I, I hope I have your permission for that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, As long as you're not coming in at 5.30 in the morning. How about that? Yeah, there we go. Uh, Gord, I always love having you on the show. Great conversation, and, and you have really cool perspective. So thanks for checking in tonight. All the best there uh, with Sportsnet 590, of course, Leafs Nation. We'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Great having sports back on, Reed. Uh, anytime. Take care, pal. That is Gord Stelic checking in tonight with some uh, chat on the Toronto Maple Leafs. So he doesn't get some of the uh, defending that has gone on in that market with the coach and uh, and one of the players. It, it was kind of interesting, John Tortorella defending Sheldon Keefe. I didn't see a huge... I mean, look, when, when you lose, everything's always, always going to be picked apart, but I don't know if anything uh, if there was anything kind of severe there though i guess in this age of social media who knows what you're reading but yeah i, I mean i know i know for many of you listening I, so there are certainly some huge leafs fans that, that listen to inside sports and live in edmonton i know that from over the years i also know that uh they are the team that a lot of people love to hate the toronto maple leafs last won a playoff series in 2004 then they were eliminated in the second round they did not get into the playoffs again until 2013 they lost in the first round they missed for three consecutive years and uh, now they've gone four straight years of being in the playoffs but losing their first series. So they're trying to get over the hump there, and we all know what Boston has done to them more than once. 780-496-0063 is the number. If you'd like to check in with me, I'm always happy to hear from you. It's Inside Sports on Chet. to have you tuning in tonight blue jays playing in buffalo in the sixth inning it is 11-6 for the marlins the marlins were up eight nothing going into the bottom of the third the blue jays got two in the third two in the fourth to cut it to eight four marlins got three more in the top of the fifth and the blue jays got two back in the bottom of the fifth so it is 11-6 in the sixth inning Raptors in action tonight against the 76ers almost halfway through the fourth quarter the 76ers leading that one 105 101 and the first period has ended in Toronto with the Flyers leading the Canadians one nothing a little bit of bad blood late in that first period that should be an entertaining series to watch I actually did it on Bob's show I uh, picked Montreal to beat Philadelphia and in the spirit of in-depth sports analysis my reasoning was why not 
Because Kellen Kennedy. It's 2020. Why not? Why why not? Like, you know, 24th place team in the league beat Pittsburgh. Now they're playing Philly. There, there are going to be upsets. So I'm, I'm picking that one. Well, why not? I don't know. They could do it. They, they, they could do it. Yeah. Kerry Price uh, had a player uh, barge into the goal crease. Price, uh, Price got up through a blocker. Big mix up there in the final seconds of the first period. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Love the playoff hockey. Absolutely. 780-496-0063 is how you can check in with me tonight. Roadhammer writing in. Roadhammer, no autocorrect needed tonight. Woo! Nice, clean text from Roadhammer. He did not accidentally include the phrase Chuck E. Cheese in his email, and he says, if the Toronto Maple Leafs fans don't want Mitch Marner on their team anymore, I'm quite certain Edmonton Oilers fans would love to see him on our team. That is from Roadhammer texting in tonight. Yeah, good talk with with Gord Stellick, and he, I loved how he put it. He said, for a lot of people, there's a point in their lives where they realize that they got to stop sleeping in until noon and get up and go to work every day or get an education or a job that they're interested in and, and really commit to it. I think that's part of the progress for teams and players in the National Hockey League as well. I, I, I'll I say this, and I, and I know I, I responded to somebody earlier in the week who just said, well, the Oilers, you know, were lazy. They didn't work hard enough. It's my experience that pro athletes don't willingly not work hard enough, but do they need to understand what maximum effort is? I mean, you might think, well, I tried as hard as I can and then go through a situation where you lose or don't get what you want. And then you realize, Oh, okay. I actually need to now recommit and do this. And some of it I think is, is spending your energy in the right areas. Rob Brown talks about that all the time. Working harder is one thing. Maybe you need to work smarter. Maybe you need to say, Oh, wait, instead of, taking my energy and trying to do this was on the ice i need to do this part first and then other things will come always 6 30 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at 6 on 6 30 chad